0: Well, you know the biggest plot hole of the movie that we were talking about today is the fact that they went on a what was it hour and a half long adventure in the in the movie time, but in weeks the, weeks in the real time of the film, yeah. And uh, they were out in the sun and the water and they did not have a t- sunburn by the end of the movie. <laughs> they should have at
1: least looked like leathered and like know, sun, they, you they know. I they
0: looked as fair as if they had sat in a house. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: Which but, they, uh, had. they had. They had. It. Sunscreen and, or they should have at least like had him buy a big bottle of sunscreen at that station. Exactly. With his peanut, it's like peanut butter and sunscreen. Exactly. <laughs> that would have been but funny. But even,
0: even uh, Shia Buff's character, Tyler, like he was a fisherman. And if you've ever seen fishermen who live out in those areas, oh, yeah, they are very, baked. very dark-skinned yeah. just because they're in the sun all the time. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. did not look like that at all. That's true. That's but true. anyway, true. we'll forgive that. That was yeah. a very slight, yeah. Uh, yeah. slight
2: offense. The Moral of the Story. The podcast where a writer, a philosopher, and a filmmaker explore the stories that make us and the morality that makes the story. No, so we're, we're review, reviewing today the Peanut Butter Falcon, um, which won our poll. Yeah, that we did for the first time. We've never done a poll before. Yeah, thank we, you for
0: participating. Yeah. We thought it was going to be uh, Coco, so we'll have to follow this one up a little bit later with Coco. But Peanut Butter Falcon won by. So just at a,
1: first, all the video, all the movies in the poll were like leaning toward Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, it was. I know. <laughs> we we sad we, like, we should have a poll because Ben has been watching. You know, Ben recently watched Contagion. Because he wanted, I guess you were doing that for coronavirus research. Yeah,
2: well, I saw something uh, on, uh, <laughs> I think research. in the <laughs> in the newspaper. Trying I to
1: implement people... good <laughs> defensive
2: strategies, like Matt Damon. Nothing like you know <laughs> scaring yourself to make yourself feel better, right? I mean, that's what I mean. We do it all the time. Wow, right? it's not um, that bad yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, um, but yeah. So, Contagion, I, th- I think it got one vote. Yeah, out of our poll, which
1: did. Ben had to prove to us was not himself. Yeah, but... right. We <laughs> chat. It wasn't him. So I think uh,
2: it's it hits too close to home at this point. Even though I, soon, I've heard that people
1: are a lot of people are renting that movie, but
2: mm-hmm. um, and then we had Parasite that won Best Picture. Yeah, which which yeah.
1: maybe
0: eventually we'll get to all of those. But today, today we're talking about
1: today the, the underdog coffee. winner, unexpected. Underdog, yeah. un, just as it was in the box office, exactly. unexpected hit. Yeah. you know, exactly. low budget
0: movie. So a quick recap: This is a Huckleberry Finn inspired, uh, adventure of, uh, three different characters who kind of go on this journey and learn a lot about themselves. It's the most, Like
1: <laughs> generic description ever. It's but. essentially like come to inner peace adventure story. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, um, this, I, were you about to t- say the outline of the plot? That was my outline of (laughs) the (laughs) plot. Well, but more specifically, (laughs) specifically, the main character of the story is a Down syndrome adult Mm -hmm. who has been, uh, I guess, abandoned or his family's dead or left or whatever. And he um, is now the ward of the state in a nursing home. And he tries to run away and they basically imprison him in this nursing home against his will. And so it's really about him breaking free and how he... Comes to achieve his dream through the unlikely help of Shia LaBeouf, Shia LaBeouf, and then how they bring his friend caretaker, who is a, you know, female in the nursing home who helps people, works in hospice. His only friend. She's his only friend. How they all come together. Right. Yeah. Um, Make an unlikely family.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. But uh, what was the line? You know, he said, I think the line was, you know, friend, your friends are the family that you choose. Right, um, I had some questions about that line. Yeah, well, actually, what are your questions, Alex? Let's dive in.
1: Um, I question they they treat that like it's a wonderful thing, mm-hmm. and I I was left thinking like, well, is the point of family not that it's the family God chose to put you in? Well, I I think they were making a distinction
0: between your actual family and a family you get to choose by the friends that you have.
1: But exactly. But isn't that like, well, I'm going to choose my friends because they're my family I choose. And so I'm getting to basically satisfy my selfish individual desire by choosing people that I enjoy rather than learning to love the people
0: that God put me with. I didn't get Hmm. the feeling that they were making them like one or the other. I didn't feel that way.
1: Because well, and obviously he, in was a in a, and he was where, in a situation where his family had abandoned him. And, so I mean, yeah, obviously Tyler's family there was uh, a, or, like, a lack had of died.
0: died. Zach's family had abandoned him. You don't really hear much about the girl's family. But they were all, you could assume, in situations where their family was not there for them for whatever right. reason.
1: Well, and the idea that – I do give them the idea that you build a family. Yeah. You know, in that – but through marriage, which is another missing – like, link well, in this story for me, yeah. Well, but I and, guess, and but to
2: drill down a little <laughs> bit in the movie. The movie is pretty explicitly, in to my mind anyway, building on uh, the male female child triumvirate, yeah, in, in it. So, yeah. you know, Shia LaBeouf is a male who you know accidentally killed his brother who was like a father figure to him, and so he's trying to become a father figure, yeah, he becomes a father figure by taking care of this adult child the adult child's trying to grow up and have a male figure and a mother figure and then the woman is childless and alone yeah. and is a widow and she finds you know a new presumably husband I mean yeah. the movie didn't say that they got married it didn't say that they didn't I, I just it was very vague at the end yeah, it was. so but presumably They formed a new family with a woman, a man, and then a child, child, essentially. But um, yeah, the thing that uh, I thought was interesting about the movie was just this uh, Rousseauian emphasis on breaking free of social constraints, um, which is an interesting story. You see this told a lot. But it goes back to – at least in my mind to Jean-Jacques Rousseau who was a philosopher of the French Revolution and he posited this idea that in the beginning, Adam and Eve and you know, there were no social constraints. And he took it even to the point that there wasn't even family really. There were just individuals and that these individuals all needed to find fulfillment and the thing that keeps people from being happy is all of these social barriers that prevent them from doing what they really want to do. So, was he a a Christian? No, like, no, well, he, he was say not. Like Adam and Eve, so he had. Well, he sense. he posited a sort of Adam and Eve myth, okay, so to speak. I see. Got it. Um, it it was basically saying in the beginning there was just one or two people.
1: Okay. Well, and he was the beginning of the end of like Catholic France. Okay, so Got those it. stories would have been just. It was University yeah it was oh, kind of I see. Of a, well, he was speaking uh, kind of the you way know, to their put it, it, right. and there's okay. actually founding fathers I mean right. he's 17 yeah
2: okay yeah, yeah. yeah. 17 80s, 70s 80s yeah. 70s. Yeah. got it but um yeah so it, it's not the biblical Adam and Eve but it's just an origin story that as a thought experiment says at the start
1: of human society you don't have structures and he got started it. the idea of the noble savage
0: okay basically that's yeah. his yeah.
1: his idea which actually I was just remembering um, in the film Peanut Butter Falcon, She when she first comes and she says, like, this isn't Lord of the Flies. Yeah. You know, which <laughs> which is exactly, a, really a parody. Yeah. Those who don't know, Lord of the Flies, amazing story, um, written by Golding? Who, what's his name? Yeah, William Golding. Golding. And these boys shipwreck, or, or plane crashes? What is it? They're on a ship? Forget. Uh, they're stranded they're on a, a desert island. island. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all these young boys that are, you know, young adolescents, basically it's a a literary thought experiment on primitive society and what people do when no limits are in place. Right. And so eventually, you know, they're murdering each other and it just becomes- Spoilers, it does not end well. It does not (laughs) end well until the the military guy arrives at the end, right? Right. And that's like authority comes back. Yeah. Yeah. And structure comes back, which is, I mean, the military is the antithesis of that. It's ultra discipline right. ultra order almost ultra hierarchy yeah. you re, o, o, yeah. ultimate obedience you know, all of those things almost are almost to
0: the point where you cannot do anything
1: without yeah yeah you know. and and uh anyway so that's that's an interesting element in this story because lord of the flies is showing us where you know total lack of limits goes yeah um but, but it
2: is, the story is based Unseasoned a lot on love, really. the myth of the noble savage, that when you yeah. regress essentially back to war paint and fire and beer and- The hunter-gatherer. Yeah, the hunter-gatherer that you're tapping into some primordial freedom or fulfillment. Right. Um, which just on its face, I think is kind of a ridiculous idea in, in a lot of respects, Um I think it is based, however, on a kernel of truth, which is, at least to my mind, that we all desire to have the freedom to pursue what we see to be the highest good. Mm -hmm. And so um, the thing that structures the story is kind of that hero's journey that uh, Zach, um, the Down syndrome uh protagonist is making to meet a wrestler <laughs> named yeah. uh, Saltwater, Red. Saltwater, Saltwater Redneck. Saltwater Redneck, yeah. you know, to fulfill his dream of being a, a wrestler. Yeah. And in some ways, you know, like a lot of things in the movie, you know, you, you kind of chuckle at just the ridiculousness of, of his dream. Right. But I did like the ending of the movie in the sense that when he does encounter his dream, there's this strange dichotomy of the dream is at once underwhelming, right? which I think everybody experiences. You have a desire yep. to do something, and when you really start doing it, you realize that it's hard yep. and that it's not what you thought it was. And, but you also discover at the same time, the more you do it, that there is a, a, an element of joy and release that is there. That yeah. that y- you were not wrong, yeah. you know, in yeah. and, in, in pursuing and the, that, and 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 when he throws the guy with the atomic move that's yeah. supposed to be impossible, that's kind of what that was saying to yeah. me that 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 exists. There can be mm-hmm. both. Yeah.
1: Well, and and I think it is. It was charming, actually. What's the actor's name who plays the redneck? Oh, uh, Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, and I love him. He's, he's a, a great. He's a great actor, actor. and <laughs> he's so um, funny. and uh, the message of his. Real bit part you know in the movie um but pivotal part is interesting because it it kind of gives you the the message of to adults at least that you can make dream the dreams of a lot of people their dreams can be brought to life just by will being willing to play act a little bit or just or facilitate like, facilitate that dream like yeah. he could have said like oh get out of here kid." Yeah. You, know, you know he could have been the old washed up angry guy but he actually had charity in his heart yeah. for this dream that he had instilled um which was what made him you know what he had done for years is the saltwater redneck wasn't just an act he still was the saltwater water redneck yeah you know mm-hmm. and all he needed to do was you know, pull out his sports car. And, and yeah. the hilarious thing is that he had just seen it. And then I know. He goes with the paint and then goes like, so what, a redneck. I know. <laughs> yeah. They, but, they were... the, I, but it shows you the power of icon. Yeah. yeah. Like the power of the iconic image to resonate and, and to yeah. speak to people. Bruce Wayne putting on the cowl or, yeah. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that idea.
2: Yeah. yeah. No, that's very true. I, another part of this movie that I actually haven't seen a lot of people talk about is just- the fact that a down syndrome character right. in this movie gets a lot of screen time yeah. and mm-hmm. the Which whole really plot yeah. revolves around giving uh giving him dignity right <laughs> right mm-hmm. and yeah. and that's a huge message that's needed yeah. in our time because i mean if you don't know i mean like iceland you know announced i don't know a few months back they had obliterated down syndrome or quote cured it and what they really meant was they're just aborting yeah. All of the kids that have Down syndrome, yeah, mm-hmm. which is just horrific. Yeah. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. and and a lot of abortions today are for Down syndrome, right, babies, yeah. right. Yeah, there was so, a line in the movie
0: that I, I think, and maybe I'm maybe I'm reading into this too much, but it, it kind of spoke to me in that when they were one of the first interactions they had, and Zach was introducing himself and trying to explain. He says, "You know, I have Down syndrome," is what he's saying. And Tyler's like, I don't care,
2: mm-hmm. you know.
0: You're yeah. still capable of everything that I'm capable of. Now, mm-hmm. yeah. come on and pull your own weight. Mm-hmm. You know that I, I think that was kind of a big way of saying, you know, they're not any less of. You are not any less, less of, a of, a, of a person of yeah. a human mm-hmm. just because you of, have a condition. Because of the condition, condition. like yeah. you, you are capable of everything that I am capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that they kind of back to what you know Ben you were saying before of the structure they kind of showed the way that balance is important because on one hand you had Tyler this character who was just you know blowing in the wind just anything goes let's just live life and then you had the female character which i always forget her name what was eleanor it? eleanor yes and she was like very by the book you have to have your medication you have to be in this uh, facility where you're safe Mm -hmm. Um, and they were kind of, you know, showing that there is, there is, there has to be that nurturing there, but that doesn't need to become a overpowering force that prevents someone who is just as much of a human as anyone else of living a full life. Mm -hmm. Because that's what was being taken from him in the first part of the movie was his life. Right. Um, and so I think that was a really cool way of, of showing that balance Mm -hmm. that is very much needed in
2: situations like this. Yeah. Um, and one thing I'll say too is I think the moment in the story at the beginning when Eleanor's talking to Zach and she's saying you just fell here right you fell through the cracks of society yeah nobody wants you and it just so happens that you live here and this is the closest place yeah um kind of the injustice of that and yeah. and and not just the injustice of it but also the fact that in our society there are so many barriers and regulations that are thrown up um, and if you rewind our history back to even the mid-1800s, I mean, you had the wild West, right? Yeah. I mean It was yeah. literally yeah. Mm-hmm. codified chaos to some extent. <laughs> mm-hmm. But now we live on the opposite end of the spectrum where yeah. we, we live such coddled, like Wally, yeah. you know the movie yeah. Wally. You know such coddled lives. Didn't you say the other day that they've actually? I invented, did. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, Alex yeah. Did, yeah. <laughs> they've invented so the funny. recliner for Wally. The Wally hover, <laughs> the hover chair.
1: <laughs> oh, never walk again.
2: And and at some point, uh, and I think uh, Shia LaBeouf's character says this. You know, there's an element of risk in living. Yeah, um, and risk is part of it. Um, and I thought that was a good message in the movie. Yeah, the the idea of almost getting. Run over by a shrimping boat is better
0: than, uh, than yeah. living, you know, in a caged nursing home for mm-hmm. you know right. the majority of your life. Because he was definitely in the first, probably third of his life, um, right? You know, maybe two thirds. He was he was definitely much younger um, mm-hmm. than all the people that he was living with, right. and so yeah. which,
2: just as a side note, I find it totally flabbergasting the way that in our society, um, we privilege the time-out model of punishment over just physical pain. Um, And because it's as if the idea is that time, taking time from people is more therapeutic or more, you know, uh, humane in some sense. Locking me up for years of my life, to me, that is a far weightier punishment Mm. than just whipping me Tied to a mast, like you might have in the Napoleonic Wars or something. Yeah. Like it's
1: way Why Ben, what have you done? Ben Are you saying we should bring
2: back public flogging? <laughs> but if you went through public flogging, it's over. Yeah. Right? And, and then you, then you go on, on your merry way and yeah. it's and you've paid your dues. And yeah. and somehow the idea that we are such a humane society because people like Zach sit in a dinky room with yeah. the door locked.
1: Not even as a punishment, Not a, be, yeah. because it's like a yeah, good Yeah, because literally we don't know, well, go. Go. We good don't know what yeah. will happen
2: to him if he walks out the door. Yeah. that That is a travesty. Yeah. It is just a total travesty. Yeah. And the whole cultural mentality that thinks that that's okay right. is totally wrong. Right. Anyway, sermon ended.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> also box. Alex, what was,
0: uh, what was the moral of the story for this film for you?
1: Oh, goodness. Well, I guess the... I, I look at it in two ways. One, just sort of accepting the story on its own terms. The moral of the story is the beauty of a life that is lived um, you know, in pursuit of freedom, you know, sort of really this you could almost look at this film like a retelling of the pilgrims going to America. Yeah. It's like you're under persecution. Um, the world is too small, Europe's too small, Ireland's too small, um, there's oh, no more yeah. room for another crab license, and I've got to go to the biggest estuary in America yeah. to find my open, find my opportunity type mm-hmm. thing, and on the way, I find a family. Yeah, That's kind of the best way, I think, of, of viewing it. Of viewing it yeah. um, as a writer, I look at it and say, well... I think there are a lot of missing links in this story. Yeah. Just in the realism of the people. Yeah, you
0: can't poke it too hard. And It'll fall apart. The, <laughs>
1: and the things that they are represented doing that are presented as fulfilling them yeah, are not real because they're not virtuous. Yeah. And there's a great lack of virtue shown. Now, there are some virtues on display um, in him having mercy on... Zach yeah, um, taking him in, having charity toward him, her um, becoming less legalistic perhaps, you know there there are kind of changes in the characters that take yeah. place, which I think are good are good lessons. but you know in another sense, if I look at the characters and I say in their real lives, what are they doing or where are they going? I don't know that they actually find happiness in the end. Yeah. I think probably with the characters that were displayed and the behaviors and the kinds of things that they did, they're probably divorced in a few years or separated, you know, <laughs> wow, off doing a, something Such else. a grim outlook, <laughs> Alex. You know what I mean, though? Like, that's yeah. probably, yeah. That's yeah. probably um, the you, reality. you're being grimly, you know, you're being starkly, real. You yeah, have an upper-class, uh, G, G. what was it, like George Washington University graduate that so, she was yeah. in the story, and yeah. doing, you know, and they made her a very, very, uh, you know, selfless character. Yeah. And she was a widow, and she was doing hospice care for people, so... But if I imagine her, and he goes, and they start renting a trailer house in Jupiter, Florida, and he's fishing, trying to make ends meet, and I don't know. It just sort of- Maybe the fantasy would have continued, but (laughs) probably not. (laughs) Probably not. Those things typically, it's like, well, we sailed last week. Yeah. Now what? You know, that's kind of, that's always what I think, you know? So you have to kind of look at the story as an allegory in a very microscopic sense. Exactly you know for it to don't zoom out to find it the truth (laughs) in it because the
0: story ends with the
1: credits roll (laughs) because like we said earlier like yeah wiping peanut butter on your face and drinking moonshine and getting drunk around a fire on the beach is not really the thing that will find happiness in your life in the long run
0: (laughs) what if you do that every day Alex
1: (laughs) anyway I rest my case (laughs) because you'll die of liver failure very quickly yeah right yeah get blind go blind yeah (laughs)
2: You know, for me, the moral of the story—I go back to that atomic throw at the end because it reminded me of the ending of one of my other, one of my favorite movies, uh, *Toy Story*. Mm -hmm. Um, Because all through *Toy Story*, right, Woody's telling Buzz, you know, you can't fly, and uh, and Buzz literally can't fly. He's just a toy. And right at the end, you know, Buzz is humbled and chastened, and he admits that he can't fly. And then at the end miraculously he does and in that moment in toy story kind of movie logic is defied or logic in general is defied in order to bring about an ending um and this movie did something similar because when you know zach encounters the wrestler he says oh you know i never did the atomic throw yeah it was impossible it's impossible to do and then zach does it and In both of those instances, to me, you see an example of eucatastrophe, you know, what Tolkien talked about, like this miraculous ending, like a a catastrophic miracle that invades reality and makes things happen. Yeah, Because there is a reality, like an example of this is Zeno's paradox in, in philosophy, like why does anything actually exist? Why doesn't everything fail? And somehow when you get to that last bit, of excellence or that last bit of when nothing becomes something yeah, um, and you hit greatness, there is something miraculous about that little gap between nothingness and something. And you see that, I think, in the ending of Toy Story and in the ending of this movie. And really what that something is, is grace. It's yeah. God kind mm. of breathing something into the dream Yeah, that was sort of always there it was promised and that's why genuine dreams that are from god are promises for the future it's why it's good to pursue them yeah um even at great cost yeah um but yeah i I think any story that puts that seed in people's minds is is a good story yeah because it's something we don't hear enough about
0: yeah
1: yeah that's good how about you luke
2: I think for me, the something that really
0: stood out to me was the idea of, or I, I guess the effect that innocence and childlike faith has over a hardened heart, mm. um, because they definitely set up the movie very gritty, very hardened that this character Tyler has just made, you know, he's had a rough go and he's made some really bad decisions. He commits arson. He has a hard heart. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't, he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. Um, and then this, the whole story of Zach who has this childlike dream of being a pro wrestler Mm -hmm. that any adult would look at and be like, well, that's never going to happen. But to him, it was totally possible and totally going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then the innocence of who he was, um, it completely softened Tyler's heart and, and made him, you know, maybe at the beginning he had an ulterior motive of, getting down to Florida and just, you know, maybe he had was, felt sorry for him or something. But that changed over time. Yeah. Um, and I think that was a really a really powerful thing that, you know, I think the older we get and the more we see, the more we do, the more tired we get, we just kind of, not even intentionally, but you know, not even if we have, like, a hard background, but just through time, mm-hmm. you know, you get calloused and just the effect that even in my own life that my kids have on me mm-hmm. when I just... Spend time with them and see how simple and innocent and wondrous everything is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just how you know softening that can be on mm-hmm. your adult hardened brain yes. and heart. So <laughs> jaded it's, adult, yeah, self. <laughs> exactly. You just you kind of become a cynic, but you know, yeah, they they really help change that and soften it so yeah. that was that really stood out to me i, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that aspect that's good
1: of it. I, I might tag on i guess to, to my moral what you're saying reminded me of kind of the idea of the power of pretending mm, yeah you know and it, it's it reminds me of a chapter in mere christianity by c.s lewis when he talked it's called the toy soldier and it's the idea that the kind of story of the toy soldier who pretends or or yeah. thinks he's a real soldier and pretends to be And so eventually becomes a real soldier. Yeah. And that in a sense that that's what we do as Christians, that we are to pretend to be Christ. We have to pretend to be like Christ in that we try to do what Christ would do. But that in the end, if we pretend long enough, he actually will make us into a creature like he is. Yeah. Mm. Um, And I think that's part of, I think, part of the icon, the... uh, part of the iconography of this movie is that idea of pretending and reality. Be a hero is what like, they were doing. Yeah, yeah, it's like when he says, I'll be a hero. Yeah. Like, I'm going to pretend to be... Well, and he's really just in a back junkyard of some yeah. place in Florida doing, yeah. you know, at a two-bit wrestling match yeah. these, you know, locals. But he really was at risk and what was pretend and supposed to be pretend, that Samson character that they used yeah. kind of as the... the mean guy who's yeah. going to beat him up and not play along, right. what started off as a pretense became real because the danger became real, yeah. and the danger of harm became real. Yeah, mm-hmm. And when it became real is when that change in Zach happened, yeah. that his fear yeah. enabled... He was able to overcome the fear to actually achieve yeah. the... The impossible, unachievable, you know, which does that atomic throw? So anyway,
0: that was that was that was a interesting. Well, Ben, do you have a book pairing that we can recommend to our audience? To yeah, like a fine wine, (laughs) like a fine wine.
2: (laughs) So uh, our book uh, recommendation today is a book by Kimberly Willis Holt, who's a very uh, acclaimed and fantastic um, children's novelist. If you if you like me, are a fan of children's literature. She's one of the best people working today, but she wrote a book called When Zachary Beaver Came to Town, and it reminded me a lot when I was – this movie reminded me of that book a lot because uh, that book also takes place in small town southern America, and it's about a boy who is an outsider. He's hugely fat and kind of a circus attraction almost for being the fattest boy in the world. and uh, But he undergoes a baptism, and he his life is turned around. So it's similar to this movie yeah. in the sense that there is um, some humor, um, some heartwarming twists of the plot, but then also a good dose of some down-home Christian spirituality that yeah. is laced through it. So um, that is available on Audible. Yeah, with so, a lot of other Kimberly Willis Holt. Titles. If you're
0: interested in getting that book, or really any book, for free, you can visit audibletrial.com forward slash moral of the story. That link is in the show description. And um, go to that link, sign up, you get a free audio book. And not only do you get something free and um, cool, you also help support the show. So that really helps this uh, continue, and um, you get something out of it as well. So... Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for uh, voting in the poll. We might do more polls in the future. Yeah, we will. We, Alex had mentioned doing a poll to see if we should do another poll. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Poll but, uh, within a poll yes, within exactly. a poll. exactly. Like Inception. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, make sure to like and share the podcast wherever you're listening. Um, follow us on all the social media accounts so you can see when we post new episodes. And uh, share it with your friends, family, and enemies. And until next time
2: the moral of the story with alex wallover luke taylor
1: and benjamin wallover please subscribe to the moral of the story on apple podcasts youtube or wherever you listen visit moral of the story podcast.com copyright 2020 moral of the story media